Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. of a pixel and roll show we discuss a team everyone wish was still called the bullets your washington wizards hello everyone this is adam mcginnis it is september 15th 2016 summer is behind us fall football is here i have been slacking here on these podcasts a real life comes at you fast Training for a 10-mile race, a bunch of birthday parties, street festivals, family trips, tons of concerts. But none of you really care about that. What you care about is hearing the real on these Washington Wizards. little housekeeping for everyone. Media Day has been announced. The Washington Wizards will hold their Media Day at the Verizon Center next Monday on September 26th. So that's less than two weeks away. And also the first preseason game will be on October 4th, less than three weeks away. So the season is coming at us fast. Now, this podcast was a conversation I had with Truth About It colleague Rashad Mobley, also the co-host pretty much at this point of the Pixel Roll Show. A couple weeks ago, we discussed tension between John Wall and Bradley Beal, the media reports about it, the journalism fail. I went off on major rants how much of it is it real? Our thoughts and concerns about those reports and moving forward of the season. Pretty much we talk about this for almost an hour. I was very pissed off <laughs> about these reports. You should find still that discussion relevant and very useful. We further go into John Wall and Bradley Beal about their Olympic chances in the future. If Bradley Beal had any regrets of maybe not playing uh, for the Team USA this summer. We go into detail about Otto Porter, Markeith Morris, and Scott Brooks at the end of the podcast. I want to leave you with a a tweet from Comcast Wizards play-by-play guy Steve Buckhans, icon, legend here in the DMV. He tweets yesterday, saw John Wall and company practice yesterday. Guy who will stun you, capitalized stun, is Bradley Beal. Adonomically perfect. Cut. And uppercase letters. So obviously Buck is really excited about the upcoming season. I could not even say that without laughing. Everyone, here's my conversation with Rashad Mobley. Mr. Mobley, Rashad, what is cracking, dude? How are you, bro? Uh, aside from getting my ass kicked today at basketball, uh, I'm, I'm okay. Well, let me clarify. We won, played well, but my body has betrayed me since then. Yeah, getting old sucks, doesn't it? It does. It does. Especially, I keep telling my friends, like, it's like, yeah, you know, I 
do all these exercises and work out and try to do these things. And man, like it, the recovery process obviously is more, but it's more like all oh, this goddamn stretching I got to do before and after just to, just to, just to be functional the next day. I, I had two reminders that I'm old. One was playing basketball and then the other, I'm sitting here watching NBA TV play these Spurs Pistons finals games from 2005 and i'm like where the hell did the time go like half these guys on the court are gone they're doing commentating they're, i just i just feel extremely old wow how's how's the summer been I, I saw you were down in miami can i get a south beach didn't get the zika virus i was yeah i didn't get the zika didn't get it but uh it was it was a little dicey i was slathering off all over the place so that was that was pretty sexy it was, it was fun it was a much needed vacation before the back to school and wizards and all the stuff that comes with the weather getting cooler so it was it was a much needed vacation with the wife yeah what, what did you and the wifey do just kick it on the beach I, I did see some of your social media posts which made me made me laugh i'm i'm not at liberty to discuss anything that happened down there <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep it that way not much of my life you know it's the usual I, I had a birthday so speaking of being old so it took me about three days to recover from that so that was fun. Of course. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah thanks. Wait for football. Not much going on in sports. So, so where would you like to start? Would you like to start with Trump, Kaepernick, uh, the glitch in the new Madden game, uh, maybe the new Carly Rae album? Is, do you have any pre- preference? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's no. That's a different podcast. Yeah, that, that, that is a different podcast. I mean, I think the VMAs are on tonight, too, as well. So we can maybe discuss clowns of people uh, on the TV, which is why people are listening to this Washington Wizards podcast. So so earlier this week, I believe it was Tuesday, you sent me an IM of a link, Rashad, and I knew the, the straight, you know, hot off the, the WordPress I see the headline. Wizards John Wall and Bradley Beal must put aside tendency to dislike each other on the court with J. Michael. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the J. Michael piece about Wall and Beal not liking each other. What the hell? It won't be that big of a deal. Maybe, you know, some quotes are misconstrued here and there. No, not at all. It's a huge deal. The Internet blows up. I predicted what would happen. It happened. You sent it to me. It was almost like catnip. I tried not to respond because I didn't want to respond. Don't want to feed the trolls or buy into this whole notion, but before you know it, CBS Sportsline, Deadspin, it's all, Sports Talk Radio, PTI, it's all over the place. It's like there's nothing going on. Like, you know, football hasn't started college or pro yet. Baseball pennant races are kind of boring. They don't really heat up until September. It's a lull period. The Olympics just finished. People are desperate for content, and this is just sitting on a tee for people. Before we go into the particulars, which obviously we are doing this podcast to discuss all these particulars, what was your initial reaction when you saw this headline? And do you remember sending this to me? And you knew that I would probably go nuts about this. I remember sending this to you, and I remember thinking it was a perfect storm situation. Number one, basketball as we know it is pretty much over with the Olympics being over. So this came out a couple days after that. So the air was right for some kind of NBA-related story. Number two came from an interview that Chris Miller did over a bigger show that aired on Comcast Sportsnet that was actually pretty good, um, talking about Wall and Beal and Oubre and what was going on in the offseason. So this article served as a tease for that. You know, the other thing I thought of is that we, and by we, I mean you, me, bloggers, writers, we've seen different things all year. Like this article could have been written at any time. It didn't seem to be the reason why they weren't winning, but it was definitely floating around. And so I was like... Again, it fed into my other reasons. This was the perfect time to say something like this because there would be no competing story. Carmelo walking around on the road, no, that's not quite a story. You know, LeBron <laughs> saying that, you know, he's 
that Jordan gets too much credit. That's not really a story. But this was is a story because at the beginning of the year, Wall and Beal were in front of Hannah Storm on ESPN saying they were the best backcourt in the league because they play on both ends. And so you contrast that with now allegedly they don't like each other and one person is paid more. It's just there were a lot of things factoring into this story having legs the way that it did. But I, I was a little annoyed. Like, I, I didn't know how big this story would be. But it was on, Like you said, it was on PTI. People were, you know how people do, they, they get a little snippets of it and write 30-page articles on it. And then I even heard Bomani Jones talking about it on his show, saying, you know, making more of it than I really wish he would have. So uh, it's, it's just annoying. But it's good. I mean, we're talking about it, so we now have Spotter to do a podcast on the night of the VMA. So how cool is that? <laughs> it, it reminds me... It- to the Joachim Noah rumor earlier this this summer, which now feels like a million years ago, which was only last what two less than two months ago, where the Wizards were going to give Joachim Noah a max deal, and what we talked about it on this podcast for fifteen minutes, right? That was fucking ridiculous, right? <laughs> and, right. And, but yeah, we still had to talk about it because people were writing articles about it. It was out there when I finally broke my embargo of tweeting because I didn't want to tweet too much, but I finally broke it and I sent one out, and my comment was. Hey, uh, the reason for the Wizards' 41 and 41 uh, underachievement is more about ownership getting giving the front office constant mulligans than it has to whether or not Wall picked up Beal off the court soon enough. And, and of course, I got a billion retweets and you know people were like agreeing. But it's it's like if we're going to talk about the underachievement of this team and this personality conflicts between John Wall and John Beal, it's just so far down low on the totem pole to me. Do you see that at all? I mean, before we get in, but we're gonna get we're gonna get into the journalism angle. But I first want to start with the Wall and Beal angle. Do you see that at all? I mean, when I look at what happened last year and the underachievement, the injuries, which obviously Beal does play a part of it, you know, the the lack of defense, the, the horrific three point defense, the, the not being able to style play, you know, end up here we are having Marcus Thornton and JJ Hickson when they're making a playoff push or playing major minutes. You know, the, the, there's other flaws on this thing that it, on this team, on this franchise in general, than anything to do with John Wall and Bradley Beal, and that's just made my perception. I'm obviously biased, but I've not seen any from covering these guys and knowing, you know, some stuff behind the scenes. I just don't feel like any of that conflict has ever really spilled out onto the court. I agree with you, but. The flip side to that is, in past years, we can go down the line. There was Paul Pierce, there was Trevor Ariza, there was uh, Nene. There was all always a veteran presence Sam in Cassell. that locker room. Sam Cassell, maybe too, right? Or Sam Cassell, just kind of lurking to kind of keep things in check and to keep these quote-unquote young guys from imploding. Well, now, number one, as Randy Whitman said, the night he got fired, these guys aren't young anymore, and they're not. Garrett Temple is gone. There's no veteran who they can listen to who can kind of calm them down. That's not Gortat. I think we both know that. And so when you combine the lack of veteran leadership or the leadership roles kind of falling in their laps now and the fact that one is injured, one has the potential to be injured, and this is a completely new team, I think that it doesn't really matter what's happened in the past because this is going to be a new look going forward. And so I think... And like you said, we'll get into the particulars, but I think part of what John Wall was saying is has to do with how they are going forward because of what's no longer in the locker room. I mean, there, there's just nobody on that roster besides Wall and Beal you can look at as a calming influence. You know, there's just no – it doesn't matter what happened last year. We know the reasons why, but I think going forward, things change a little bit. And I think Wall was trying to kind of get ahead of that, and I don't, I don't think he did a good job of it. But I think that's what he's looking towards. No, definitely. Let's get his quote here. 
John Wall, I think a lot of times we have a tendency, he's talking about him and Bradley, to dislike each other on the court. That's the part which you know, is catnip for all the click monsters out there on the internet. we got to be able to put that to the side. If you miss somebody on one player, don't have anything going right, as long as you come to each other and talk. If I start arguing with somebody, I'm cool. I'm just playing basketball. He says to Chris Miller, now that you have your money, you've got to go out there and improve your game. I want to be an all-star just as much as I'm an all-star. If you're playing as a tandem like the other two superstars that play together as a backcourt, play as a tandem one night. It's going to be his night. One night's going to be mine. Some nights it might be both of us. Those are nights that's going to be tough for us to beat. I don't really see nothing wrong with that. those quotes anyway. Do you? Nothing wrong with that at all. I, th- I think that's John Wall being candid. This, the part about him, them two not getting on the court. Dude, I've seen John Wall basically yell at every single basketball player that he's ever had. Every teammate. Every Wizard teammate he's yelled at. Barsha Gortat gets yelled at probably way more than Bradley Beal ever gets yelled at. You know? And on the flip side, I have seen plays where Bradley Beal is standing in the corner wide open waiting on the ball. And he thinks that he should get it, and Wall goes and takes a questionable shot. And you see, I mean, the difference in between Wall and Bill is that Wall will come and say something and get in somebody's face, whereas Bill is a little less demonstrative, and he'll start sulking or putting his shoulders down. That used to piss Randy Whitman off. So, you know, we've, like I said before, we've seen elements of this on the court, but never did I feel like, okay, they don't get it together, they're not going to win tonight. I mean, we're not in there as much as J.J. Michael, but we certainly, you know, we're more informed than most people are, and I never saw it being a hindrance. We could name 10 or 11 other things that are the reason why they sucked last year, or were 500 and missed the playoffs, but this wall-build dynamic was never something that I felt like was keeping them from winning games. It's yeah. unbelievable. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, so this is what Beal's quotes are. It's tough because we're both alphas. It's always tough when you have two guys who firmly believe in themselves, who bet on themselves against anybody else, who want to be that guy. We both can be that guy. Sometimes I think we both lose sight of the fact that we need each other. I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in without John. John wouldn't be in the situation he's in without me, without the rest of the team. It goes hand in hand, so it's a kind of a pride thing. We gotta hash out our pride, figure out what our goals are individually, help each other achieve those goals, and figure out what our team goal is. Where do we see ourselves in five years, ten years from now? Okay, once ago, this is a typical Bradley Beal quote, by the way. He says a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like it's saying something, but if you actually go into it, it's just a bunch of generic platitudes, right? right. <laughs> Interviewing John Wall and Bradley Beal, like we both have, for you know millions of times over the, you know the last six years with John, four years with Bradley. Dude, John is too candid, maybe sometimes too candid, but that's what I like about him, that, that he'll say what's up. He, he's analytical, especially about basketball. He's a basketball nerd, and you can kind of tell, you know, sometimes he'll say some, sto- you know, some stock answers, but for the most part, if you ask the right question, you'll get an answer from him that he's actually thinking about it. Bradley Beal, right. he can get emotional and kind of be revealing after games, definitely, after, especially after losses, but he never really says anything, and I don't mean in a negative sense. And then he tries to be too tough sometimes. I, I think it's maybe him being the, the younger brother, of the, the middle brother uh, between two older brothers that are bigger and probably beat him up. He always tries to be tougher than he is a little bit. Like, you know, he's, he'd say these productive quotes like, you know, St. Louis pizza is the best over Chicago. Or, or he'd say all these, all these other quotes out the years where I'm like, okay, you know, what he did after the Sacramento game this year where he, just, he went off, you know, being more, he was vague, didn't really give any specific examples of what he was talking about, but he's a more outspoken than I'd seen him being frustrated. But it's also like this alpha dog quote. Come on. Bradley Beal knows that John Wall is the alpha dog on this team over him. He knows that. Why? So why does he say that? Well, he just, he just signed for $127 million, right? He's going to say that he's the man, right? <laughs> I, I don't think I agree. I think he feels like he. They look at each other as equals, and I think that as since they're the backcourt, I think he thinks he is an alpha. I mean, 
I, I tend to disagree. I think that he, maybe in the playoffs, he plays like that. But if he, that's how he feels, I, I still don't think that's that's a detriment. I think that's more of them trying to establish themselves as an elite backcourt. Again, I didn't see anything wrong with that. Like, what these quotes were consistent with who they normally are. It's just that we've never heard John or uh, Beal actually come out and say sometimes we dislike each other. When you hear something like that, you immediately think of chemistry issues, right? Fights. Kevin Durant, Russell Russ book, right? Right. Right. Or T.O. or McNabb. You know, you think, okay, something's about to go down and it's not quite that complicated. I think it's just, I don't think outside of the Washington, D.C. area, you haven't seen that dynamic. A lot of the national media has not seen that dynamic. And so it, it it just caught fire. Now, everything that we're saying right now is true, but if Wall and Beal are both healthy during the first game and the first 10 games, the offense isn't running smoothly and they're not playing well together and they seem to be in a funk, you can dredge this story right back up and say, okay, maybe something is up. I'm not quick to be dismissive of this story because I think we know how things can go wrong very quickly and somebody, I don't know who it's going to be, if they go on a losing streak or if they come out of the gate and they suck, they're going to retweet this story that we're talking about right now and all of a sudden it's going to be an even bigger story and we're going to hear trade rumors and what's wrong with the Wizards. So this this isn't over, unfortunately. Oh, this oh, isn't over yet. Oh, oh, I'll get to the hottest takes. We, we, haven't, mm-hmm. we haven't got to the hottest takes yet and one of them was trading wall. More quotes. Guys need to know the role. I think that's key. This is from John. I think with Coach Books coming in, he's going to hold everyone accountable starting with me. Just make sure everyone knows the role and everyone buys into the role. We'll be fine. I want it to be all on me. At the same time, I want him, Bradley, to be right there with me. He's my sidekick. I'm A. He's A1 right there. That's something we got to do on the first day of training camp. We have to go in there and understand to get on the same page. If we're not on the same page, we have our ups and downs. We'll keep dealing with the same problems. We'll have to get control of it. I think that's hanging off the court, doing those little things helps. He talks about the off-the-court thing, and he mentions it, and he says his sidekick. Matt Moore, CBS Sports Line, went off on this whole sidekick thing, how that was bad, and he shouldn't say that Brad, maybe Beal's mad that he's his sidekick. Once again, I thought that was reading way too much into, into those comments. But the, the problem with me of this journalism is that if you just – okay, one, John should have never said we dislike each other on the court. Probably not. Like, right? That's why this is all being fueled. Second of all, Bradley Beal is smoking, it's kind of speaking as ass bravado, which – Maybe, yeah, you're right. Maybe he had it in the Raptors series in the one time. But let's go with Bradley Beal. This is Bradley Beal's four years career. 56 games, 73 games, 63 games, 55 games. He has appeared in three-fourths of his NBA games that he's eligible for in four years. I supported the Wizards signing them. That They had to do that. Do you feel like this whole is Wall jealous of his contract? No, I don't think it's jealous at all. I think Wall, in his own way, is saying, Okay, good. You got money. You got paid. Let's get back to the to the product on the court. Let's get back to making sure we're on the same page on the court. I don't, I don't think it's jealousy at all. However, if you watch the Comcast piece that this interview came from, and there was a piece on Bradley Beal and what he's been doing this summer, training with his brother, he said, and I guess this feeds into why he didn't go to the Olympics, that he's, he feels like he has been able to train in a way that he hasn't been able to do and pass off seasons because he's been injury, injured or laying low. And he feels strong. He's able to run and cut and all, and all that stuff. And so you, you have a scenario where maybe he's talking with all this Murado because he knows that he's possibly or he thinks that he's turned the corner injury-wise and he feels like he's strong. And that combines with the fact that Wall, by his own admission, may not be ready by the first day of training camp. You know, maybe that's where that Murado comes from. Beal sees an opening where... He's going to have to carry the team, and you know that's the place he's coming from when you hear him talk. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility because 
Wall, uh, and you'll talk about the events that you went to, but Wall is not quite as confident about being ready as he was earlier in the summer. You know, that, that's kind of playing in the backdrop, backdrop here. Well, you know, aside from when John Wall had his knee surgery in 2000, 2012, right before the season, he missed half the season of 2012-2013. He came back in January 2013. Aside from the one game that he missed, or the two games he missed in the Atlanta Cox series postseason, he did not miss one game over three years, spanning multiple seasons, you know, three or four seasons, right. until he was shut down that final week of this year, right? And then now you have Bradley Beal, right. who's making all this more money, and I just told you he's only played in 75% of the games. Now, I don't think Wall is jealous or mad at him, but he, I think you know any issues they've had has never been on the court. The issue is Bradley Bill hasn't been on the court, and he hasn't been around. That, I think there is an element of truth in the fact that I can see Wall being annoyed, and he's always been outspoken, and, they, and they're kind of throwing those Reggie Jackson quotes back into his face a little bit from a couple years ago, or last summer that he made, where Reggie Jackson, he was like, Reggie Jackson's making all this money because of the new salary cap, and then now it's even more... Here's my issue, though, Rashad. Is Wall not going to pass the ball to Bill? Is Wall still not going to be top five in the league in assists? Is Bradley Bill still going to make most of, most of his buckets off passes from John Wall? I mean, that's still going to happen, right? So what the fuck are we even talking about? That's what, that's what upsets me. <laughs> but, again, the reason this has legs is because of what's, what's going on. I mean, Wall is injured. He's, he's not 100% yet. Bill just got all this money, and so the natural inclination is to think Wall's salty. You know, and so it, it's... It's a little more nuanced than that. I, I just think that this this is a big year. You have a new system. You have a new coach. There's some significant players who were leaders in the locker room who are no longer there. And this team is going to look and it's going to have a different feel. And I just think that we're going to place more emphasis on Wall and Beal, just not as players and leaders, but as influences in the locker room. You know, I think there's a leadership vacuum that I, you know, in a season preview, the you know podcast, I've been jotting down to doing some stuff. I think it's one of the main issues of this team uh, moving forward, you know, Garrett Temple is gone. Alan Anderson, y'all know he didn't play, but he filled the leadership role. Jared Dudley came in right away, was also almost a, a spokesman. The, you know, Nene, I know, you know, wasn't maybe probably a vocal leader, but he also always played hard on the court, was talking, was the anchor of the defense, especially on the second unit this year. And now you don't really have that. And you have a lot of new guys. And so Wall and Beal, pretty much by proxy, have to be that. And I don't know if it's in Wall and Beal's Person- One, I don't know if it's in Wall- Beal's personality to be that. I know it is in Wall, but Wall, I think, even sometimes is too much, you know, too vocal sometimes. Like, certain guys, you can't be as vocal. You know, you got to know, see the guys, you can push their buttons here and there. And I think Wall does a decent job at that. But Bradley Beal, is, like you mentioned, you know, he sulks, he cry. you know, there's t- times when you need checks out, and you know it. I mean, that's not really, sometimes he, he coasts, he won't run back on defense. I mean, that's not really, you know, leading by example. And then also, he's so damn young. I mean, he still is his third youngest player on the team, right? I guess, I think he's still, true, is, true. right? I mean, Ubre, it's Ubre, Porter, and him. And him and Porter are, are very close in age. So I think that that's always been a difficult, is how do you become this leader when he's still young, even though in NBA, he's not young. And then now he has a big contract. So there is going to be responsibility with his big contract. I just don't know how that will play out, especially with some of the new guys. You know, maybe maybe Jason Smith becomes a leader. Maybe Nicholson becomes a leader. You know? Yeah, let's not, let's yeah. not get crazy. Let's not get crazy I mean, here. <laughs> but I will say this. A lot of these things through the lens of who was the leader of the team the past few years, and that was Randy Whitman. And now that we're going to have Scott Brooks here, maybe the kind of leadership and the kind of play will be different so that it's not fair 
to judge the team or to judge Wall and Bill and everyone else on how you thrived under the Whitman regime because nobody really was was thriving under that regime. And so now, I mean, despite the playoff appearances, it just wasn't it, it didn't seem like a comfortable fit. So now we have a new coach who holds people accountable and maybe the type of leadership required will have a different look, have a, have a different feel. We don't we don't really know that. We don't have a good sense of Scotty Brooks as the Wizards coach. Definitely think that plays a part in it too. Definitely. I want to talk about the journalism real quick here on this J. Michael piece because it's my favorite topic to pick apart his his stuff, even though personally he's whatever to me. He actually has been nicer to me this year than, than past. I, I felt like him and Chris Miller, who I, I respect Chris Miller. I think he does great. Uh, J. Michael, you know, does whatever. I'm not going to really comment too much on him because it's supposed to be negative. But he, he does have sources. He is with the team longer than we are. He travels on the road. And Chris Miller does produce good journalism. And Chris Miller has a good relationship with Beal and Wall. And I always felt like he, they were hoodwinked in this. You know, they did say what they said. Like, Chris Miller and Jay Michael have bosses. They get these juicy quotes. They're going to put it on, right? Like, they're going to promote it. They did a hell of a job promoting. It got picked up. I'm sure the traffic numbers of these pieces, uh, you know, because they were promoting a segment on TV. So Jay Michael actually wrote up, like you mentioned, the quotes actually were from this piece, but they're actually from the Chris, I mean, from this article, but from the Chris Miller TV segment. Uh, what I didn't have a chance right. to, to watch, but you had referenced, uh, I just DVR'd it because I missed it. It's almost like the relationships that Chris Miller has is very close with Wall that their interests sometimes, I think Wall gets too comfortable and to be like, yo, dude, their interests and your interests aren't the same. And not that he doesn't know that, but this is a good example of how they don't align. And, and here he goes. I mean, Jay Muckle's writing. His lead is about how Bradley Bill and his girlfriend showed up at the Vegas Summer League for a game, and, and they sat by themselves in the court and didn't sit next to John Wall on courtside. That's how he led the story. It has nothing to do with anything. This is what he said. Uh, they don't spend much time against their, much, much time together outside the Verizon Center. They've had to be separated on more occasions after blow-ups. Alan Anderson made peace after preseason game when Beal was upset. Two seasons ago, it was Garrett's Temple, Beal's best friend on the team, who's no longer there. They had to restrain him. Both veterans are gone. Two examples he gives of the 41-41 season about how Wall and Beal's bickering uh, led to this was a one uh, the, the home loss against the Pacers in November, which Wall talked about how post game he only got nine shots in 31 minutes. He didn't want to any, mention anyone by name, but it appeared he most likely was unhappy that Beal took 22 in comparison. Okay, that's not fact. He's actually just speculating that's true. Not at all. The next night. In a road game, Wall predictably had nine shots by the end of the first quarter and a 101-87 loss. Dude, this Pacers game, first of all, do you remember that game? That was when C.J. Miles won 8 of 9 from 3. And the Pacers went, yeah. uh, the Pacers shot 19 to 26 from 3-point range. Okay. Right, that, uh, that game was over pretty quickly. Uh, okay, so it has nothing to do with Wallabile. Okay, the next game in Charlotte, he's talking about, they scored, what, they went like, what, 15 minutes without scoring a bucket? They scored six points in the fourth quarter. They were outscored 27 to 6 in the fourth quarter. And Beal actually had 16 shots. Wall had 18. So Wall only had two more shots than Beal in the game. I thought that those two games was just completely weak about saying some on-court thing that had nothing to do with anything. And then the other example he gives is during the Atlanta game, Beal fell on the court, hurt his shoulder. Wall stood there and didn't run to help him up, which he was on the other side of the court. Once again, I don't remember this play. I mean, I remember when Beal got jammed his shoulder. I mean, when we look at the 2015-2016 the season, would you ever bring those three things up as the reasons they were 41-41 and missed the playoffs? Like, they, they are just so, I don't even know where we're even going with that logic. It's woven this narrative around these quotes. It makes the scene their tension in this thing was just like the biggest detriment to success. Like, why the underachieved? 
And I don't, I don't think you see that. I, I don't know if you agree. I don't see that. I don't think any fans have watched these games, anyone that's around that would even come up with those conclusions. What upsets me, I guess, the most for shot is that, dude, he knows better. Him and Miller know what's up. I mean, they know these guys. Like, that's, that's why, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I want to separate Chris Miller and Jay Michael because what Chris Miller had to do is part of what you have to do when you are on TV and you have to kind of keep the Wizards and that whole broadcast relevant in the offseason as kind of a tease as we lead in the training camp and all that. And so Chris Miller didn't add any opinion to it. He interviewed everybody, and this is what came out of the interview. You know, I don't want to call it a fluff piece. I don't blame Chris Miller because he's consistent in what he does. Now, J. Michael, you know, I don't have, I don't dislike him as much as you do in terms of what he writes. Sometimes I think it's a little, it's a little fluffy. I don't like how chesty he gets on Twitter. Like he literally yes, goes yes. after people. I don't like that. Yes. But Especially you know, that's that's him. That's his thing. That's his I deal, would, I would, right? I would, right. That's his deal. But I think he took some liberties. I don't agree with what he said. But if we had him here on the podcast, he could always say, "You don't, you don't know my sources. You don't get the kind of access." that I do, and I, I don't have a comeback with that. I mean, I'd like to access, but I you can't seem to get it. So I don't think that this is something that had to be written because the bigger story here is not what happened last year when they were bickering or how Wall feels like sometimes we dislike each other. That's just a fancy way of saying something that we see with every team. There's not a team. I mean, shit, sometimes LeBron James and Kyrie disliked each other, even during the NBA Finals. It happens all the time. The difference is when you're, when you're winning, nobody cares. And when you have a mediocre season, because of other reasons, not because you all didn't get along, but then, then it becomes a big deal. I'm going to say it's a non-story, but it's just not it's not a big deal to me right now. Good good take. The worst take, I probably could spend a half hour just on this piece. Did you read this Ringer piece? Yeah, I said I did. Let's go down it. He goes, uh, John Wall is known to keep a class eye on other players where they're making the paper, one league source familiar with Wall's state of mind, simply put it this way. Wall's got jealousy issues. He's always upset with someone who's making more money than him. Okay, one league source familiar with Wall's state of mind? Is that, that, that that's our, that's our source here? That, familiar that, with my state of mind. And I was like, that is, that is, uh, I don't know. That, that's clairvoyance. Okay, then, then of course he gets a jab in that Wall signed a five year deal for 84 million. Which looks like chump change now. So, which also, if I'm if I'm reading this, I'm, a, I'm an average person making what forty grand in office. I'm like, Wall's a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like it's like <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with anything. Okay, you know, he brings up the Reggie Jackson quote, which I mentioned was getting thrown back in his face. Now, this is actually somewhat true in the sense that I think the Adidas co- contract, the his contract with Adidas, kind of fell apart. Sometimes it's because of Fagan. Because Harden got this huge deal with Adidas, $200 million, and they were not getting Wall shit. And so Wall was pissed. But that has more to do with his representations, right? So then he goes, a front office executive tells the ringer that Wall was rankled after the Harden signed a four-year, $118 million extension with the Rockets. So now we have a source close to the state of mind of John Wall, and now another unknown front office executive. So that's not someone on the Wizards. So it'd be somebody else in some other front office knows what John Wall thinks about James Harden? Are you fucking serious? What is this? Some a- probably this is some agent bullshit, probably, right? It's probably Fagan. Dude, Fagan's probably the one who's behind this. He's probably pissed at Wall. I, I, I'm speculative. You know, some of those little cronies that worked for him, probably pissed off. And they're fucking... I mean, this is such a character assassination, these two comments, by the way. 
Do you agree? Uh, I agree. And in fairness, we have to say that after these things that John Wall, the uh, LeBron James platform, got on and said that he wasn't jealous, that he was happy for Harden, that he's not jealous of Bill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play what Wall says, but I, but I just, okay. just want to go finish this. Okay, here's the other one. We're not done. An agent. So now we got unnamed source, Lee executive. Now we got an unnamed agent. He described it like to, to me like this. Whatever is public... Multiple by five, and that's how they really feel about each other. It's probably a total disaster. I mean, the amount of projection we got loaded in the... And dude, I'm in... This is paragraph four, Rashad. I told you I'm not, I was not going to do this for a half hour, but, like, really, we're already four paragraphs in to this dude, and it is just, like, unbelievably unnamed, all this stuff going on. Okay, here's the paragraph that just drove me insane. Ready? And then I'll be done with this. Wall and Beal have never clicked for the same reason that jocks and the geeks don't sit at the same lunch table in high school. They're fundamentally different, I'm told. Wall likes to party. Bill doesn't get out much. Bill spends tons of hours in the gym, but Wall doesn't. And still a significantly better player and a three-time All-Star. Bill is a complimentary player, a zero-time All-Star. It will be getting paid $17 more million over the next three seasons. Rashad, you start. Look, the, the <laughs> thing that pisses me off about this is if all these things have been true... They didn't. If they didn't like each other on the court, and if they're just that different, they were different during the playoff run. You know, so all these things have been the case. This article is written like this is the fourth year of a playoff drought, and what the hell are we going to do? They had a bad year, and they had a bad year, as you alluded to, because of front office mishaps. As David Aldridge said, we didn't even didn't even get an interview from the player they had been targeting for two years. And there were some injuries, and there was just, it was just a lack of, of chemistry there. There was no Paul Pierce. There was no player to help them out. And so that is why they struggled. Chris Humphrey's playing the so, four, shooting three-pointers, right? Come on now. <laughs> right, right. So I, I don't like the characters. It's easy to pile on right now because they had a 41-41 and 41 year. They weren't a lottery team. They had a 41-41 and 41 year, and they fell short of expectations, given what they had done the past two years. But they weren't a bad team. They just fell short. And it just seems to me it's very easy now, just because you get a little hint of dissension with them not liking each other on the court, and you get something obvious like Bill making more money. It, it doesn't give you the right to take all these liberties about them. And I've seen and heard different things something that Wall will say, and sometimes it comes off as serious, sometimes it comes off as tongue-in-cheek. But depending on who's hovering around when he's saying these things, you can actually design your own narrative and run with it the way you want. And if he says something about Harden, he could have seen it and be like, damn, I should be making that money. And that's not something that is, is serious and you're really rankled. It's just a comment that you make because you're around people who you think that you're comfortable around. But if somebody else hears that and doesn't really understand his inflection and what he really meant, then you can run with that. I just I don't think that any of this matters. As he said, well, we're going to get to that, but as he said in his, his video, if they come out this year and he plays well and they play well, nobody's going to think about this anymore. They're going to think about what's the ceiling for this Wizards team under Scott Brooks and Wall and Bill Health. And this notion that John Wall doesn't work hard, what the fuck? Come on. He couldn't shoot when he came to the league. And now he's a decent, now he had one of his best three-point shooting seasons last last year. And now team can somewhat respect his jumper. And he's made three all-star games for a reason. And he, and he's done all these things and accomplished these individual. He put up, he still put up one of the best seasons in franchise fucking history. And some guy out here is sitting there saying that he doesn't work hard. For, based upon what evidence? I was thought that it was like some code of like some racism angle of it all, or like this Kentucky Calipari hatred, or let's attack the number one pick. And 
Kyrie didn't seem to get it, you know, as much because maybe he was aligned with Duke, and so there's all this Kentucky hate, and it started with coward right away. Fuck you, shoot rag, and just for all the things we'd seen, and I didn't really understand it. It was like something this this whole, or, or you know, when the people try to say John Wall was a shoot shoot first point guard to, to get that label on him, when we all know that that's the most dumbest thing you would say about John Wall. Right, being a gifted passer the way he is and his strengths. Am I incorrect on this assessment that this is lingered around John Wall, that this notion that he somehow is like, I don't want to say the loaded term lazy, but in the more sense that somehow doesn't work as hard as others? No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that far. I, I just think that this, this, this whole Ringer article is just, <laughs> it has, it, it's as if Chris Broussard wrote it. You know, it's just, I, I don't like the. If you don't have to write this kind of an article, there's enough. There are enough things that you do know. You don't have to say the way Wall thinks. You don't have to do all that. You can just say quite simply, this is a big year for them both. Wall is going to be playing so that he can get Bill money. Bill has money. Is going to have expectations. Can he stay healthy to lead this team? Both of them are now the leaders because if Wall and Bill aren't there, team is a lottery team big time. So that's the angle you can take. You can even include the fact that they maybe they dislike each other on the court, but it's a, it's a healthy discussion among two players who, when they're playing their best, this team has infinite ceiling. And so those are the things you can. So this article has leaks of, of of gossip, like TMZ type stuff, and it just I don't know. Maybe maybe we're not giving this enough credence but again we will be able to see at the beginning of that summer league game i mean maybe they didn't speak when they first came in but there is footage of them slapping you know slapping fives and talking to each other and yes. joking around they did speak to each other yes <laughs> i was watching live on, on tv like they, they spoke to each other but again i i think and i've been guilty of sometimes so let me not come off as high in my but I think when you are trying to write a story, trying to do research to figure out where you can find things to help your story have legs, you tend to take these liberties where you know that it's not 100% true, but you've gotten so much momentum on this narrative that you just start pulling things out of your ass and you start grouping together. And I just think that, you know, if you were to look at everybody on the team or every superstar in every city with the same watchful eye, you would see these same inconsistencies. And that the bottom line would be, What's this team record? Are we talking about Cleveland Cavaliers who are champs and it doesn't matter? Are we talking about the Sacramento Kings where so much is going wrong and you see something like this and it just makes you look at them in a different light? I just I'm not I'm I'm not ready to believe any of this until Adam the first two three weeks of the season. Yes, no, we're looking. This is going to come then, back for sure, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer. I went off on that paragraph earlier today on Twitter. I'm not going to even. Link this article. It's it's so awful. He does provide analytics and basically says that last year or no since 2013 that Beal basically's efficiency numbers are the same when Wall is on the court and not. How he, they, uh, Wall and Beal was just as good as Wall and Temple or Wall and Sessions and that ready. Their stagnant possessions, detached body language suggests they might not want to each other for that matter. Wall sometimes has his hands on his knees while Bill is hoisting up careless mid-range jumpers last season. I don't even know where to start with that. If you want to take a, somehow, okay, really, really dude, Wall and Temple are a better backcourt than Wall and Beal. Like, like we're going to find the numbers. And we can always find some slices and stuff here and there. That is not true at all. He conveniently loses, leaves out the playoff runs, for sure, to make his argument. You know, Beal shot less mid-range jumpers this year than he had ever had, right? We bitched about it, and he shot more threes and less long twos. He actually improved. But he's out here saying that it's just he's doing just as bad. Can Bradley get better at it? Yes. It's unbelievable. The Wizards will try like hell. The duo led to two conference semifinals. If we're for 
Ball's broken wrist. They might have advanced to the Eastern Finals where they were that close, that close to being pummeled by the Cavs. And I was like, once he said that, it was just clear to me that, that he has it in for the Wizards. You know, where they were likely to lose. But now they said pummeled. It was like, it was like he's sticking the knife in and twisting a little bit, dude. In the last two points he makes, he brings up the John Wall's quotes to Michael Lee in the vertical about how he doesn't have any billboards in DC. Even though I don't really remember guys on billboards anymore in DC, any athletes. He uses that to, to make a couple jabs at him again. And then also brings up that stupid ass Jason Reed column from 2013. Uh, Nene was getting mad after that Spurs loss and said, young guys may stick their heads out of their ass and, or butts and play the right way because I'm getting tired of this. You know, Nene, who missed seven free throws in that game, uh, which cost him uh, any chance at a victory. It, so these last two points are just like, what other stuff can I Google about the Wizards to trash Sean Wall and Bradley Bill? Well, I don't, the Nene quote, I think, is part of what we're talking about here. I mean, Nene, when he saw something he didn't like, he said something about it. You know, I, I, I think that he was absolutely well within his right to say what he said. However, the, let's let's go back to what you said about the this article about Wall and Bill and getting pummeled by the Cavaliers. That, that's what turned me up. Like when I read this and I said that basically that the, the Wizards were that close to being pummeled by the Cavaliers, like they had no shot of winning. That, that yeah, I, I read that and it was just. This is not good journalism. Your bias is clear, right? I mean, you're totally clear. I think I would say something like that if I didn't like the team I was writing about. <laughs> right? Right. I would add that editorial comment. <laughs> if I was writing about Kyrie Irving, I would find any way to make a jab at Kyrie Irving. <laughs> but then this, this paragraph, he says, where if Wizards, had, if Wizards head coach Scott Bros can't calibrate the pair of settings, then breaking it up could be for the best. Yes, trading now, it. Now, who are you, you going to trade? you going to trade the guy you just gave Trump money? Or are you going to trade the guy who, by his own, by Ted Leontis has already said, is the franchise? If Ted Leontis is not getting rid of Ernie, there's no way in hell he's getting rid of John Wall. Oh, no it's way. Like, no way. John Wall will leave before Ted Leontis trades John Wall. Yeah, they're not, they're not trading either one of those players. I mean, unless somebody pulls a Gilbert. No, they're not trading. I totally agree. John Wall responded on, he on... What is this? The interrupted LeBron James is saying you're mentioning. Okay, I just I just want to clear the air for all the people talking about how I'm watching other people's pockets and I'm not worried about basketball and getting better. Listen, that doesn't matter to me. If I produce like I'm supposed to on basketball court, take care of myself and image, I'm gonna be fine I'm making money. That's not why I play the game of basketball. Me talking about Bradley Beal making more money, I'm not mad. I'm happy. He's my teammate. He came right out of the time the contract made come up. I can't control that. He talks about James Harden. He says I don't care. That's my guy. I'm not mad at him. Please stop saying I'm watching money. I'm not. So basically, this is a response to this this little antidote in the Ringer comment, which I believe then gets blown up on what Slam Magazine, and you know, this, it basically gives credence to the story. Like, there's another it's, a, it's another round of John Wall, Bradley Beal stories that you can run, but now it's John Wall against James Harden, right? What are your comments about his reaction? I, I think it was, it was it was good to get out in front of it to play that nonchalant. nonchalant. You know, I'm not going to even address it. I'm glad that he got out in front of it because it, it kind of helps to shut everything down. But again, I think he realizes, like most of the fans of the Wizards realize, that what he says or what's perceived about him saying is not as important as his health. And I'm glad that he ended both of his little statements with, I'm trying to get healthy, I'm rehabbing, because that, that is the bottom line out of all this. Look, I, I just think that stories like this always have legs in the offseason, particularly in this town where... Look, we're all hurt that we didn't get Durant. Like this, this is a very, very sensitive time. This new coach, the yes. superstar, the superstar that we wanted did not come. 
I had to watch him on the Olympics all summer. The superstar of this current incarnation of the Wizards is injured. The one who's usually injured just got a lot of money, and nobody knows what else is going to happen because, the, I mean, in my opinion, this offseason was just terrible in terms of who they were able to get. So, and their biggest free agency move was signing a backup center. <laughs> right. Wall coming out and diffusing it as best he could was, was, was a good thing to do because we both know sometimes – in these situations, a player doesn't say anything. They just let it fester. And then media day comes, and they get you know bombarded with questions, which I think we both know on media day, this is going to be the number one thing oh, for that's sure. going to come up. I'm sure they're being prepped right now on how to deal with it and how to diffuse it. And, you know, they're, you're going to hear stuff like, well, you know, this happens in teams, you know, and they're going to – and Scott Brooks will bring examples of how it happened on the Rockets when he played. You know, all this bullshit. And, oh, yes, totally. And you know what? It – that's fine. But to me and to most people, and I think even J. Michael knows this, the number one thing that matters is not how they get along, but John Wall's health. Yeah, totally. You know, that, that's that's, and the, that's, and that's it's, most important. And so, same with Bradley Bill. You know, he has to play a full season at an all-star right. level, right? The way that he was playing, you know, when he hit the game winner versus Spurs in that first month of the season, he was balling out. And he needs to sustain that over a length of the season. He knows that. I've talked to his brother about it. I mean, Wall knows that. They all know this. Scott Brooks know this. It, it's just, it's it's just frustrating that we're we've now me and you are now talking 15 minutes about this. But hey, people want to talk about it. I have frustrations. You do too. We want to get it out there. So let's talk about some good journalism here. Rashad Candace Buckner, the new Washington Wizards beat writer for the Washington Post, wrote an article. Obviously, he has to write an article about this. She gets some quotes. Yeah, she's really cool. I met her. I met her. I introduced myself to at the John Wall of. Back to school event I went to, which I'm going to try to mention here shortly. I thought that she did a good job of framing this. She got a quote from San Cassell, which I thought was interesting. I was like, "How the hell? She must know him personally somehow." I don't know. I don't know all the people that get a quote, which, by the way, knows these guys better than anyone. Being an assistant with them for five, four years, two thousand, basically John, Wall, you know, John Wall's Bradley Bill and John Wall's first part of being a professional basketball player was dealing with Sam Cassell on a day-to-day basis. He says they're going to figure it they got to figure it out. I'm not going to say who's wrong or right, but they, they got to figure it out. So that was, you know, not not terrible assessment, but also not, like, there's no beef here, right? Like, I was like, hmm, should I read too much into it? But, okay, the better quotes were from their trainer, Drew Hamelin, who's, who's from St. Louis, who trained David, David Lee, trains... Bradley Beal, he's worked with worked with Wall as well. He's a shooting coach. He's on Twitter. You can find him, Drew Hanlon. He basically says, I think both were saying that they're just leaders and very vocal leaders. So at times, both of them want the stage. I don't think there's any beef between them because they're friends off the court, which, of course, is going against everything J. Michael was trying to frame. If it was a Kevin Durant-Russell Westbrook thing, I would not have commented. <laughs> which I thought was a very good comment. <laughs> he basically is like, if there was a real deal, I would have I said no comment and talked to you. He goes, I don't think there's a situation you're feuding because I'm as close as anyone to Brad, which is true, and he's never said anything bad to me about John. And then at the end, I thought this one was a good way. He says, Brad's not dumb. He knows they need each other to, if they want to win. Both are huge competitors who share the goal to compete in the East. I know that they're going to figure this out. What are your thoughts on, the, on all that? Number one, I don't believe that they're friends off the court. I think they're friendly, but I don't think that they're friends. I've seen them uh, post game. I, I don't. I don't think that they're friends. No, they have to be. All you have to be is friendly. You, you know, you're walking out of the, the training room. You're headed to your car. What's up, man? I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, but they're not Snapchatting all night. 
That doesn't mean that they're they're not friends. I'm they, not buying that. Here's the they roll in different crews. Their crews do mingle with each other sometimes, but they definitely have two distinct crews they roll with. I mean, shit. Every, Everyone all does, though, right? On, on, on Truth About, we don't all hang together, but yeah, we see each other. I know. It's it's cool, but we don't we don't hang together. I mean, it's it's different. Like I, this isn't this is not a big deal. And I think that again, the reason why this has this story is just such a big deal because the minute Durant didn't come here, and then right after that, Bill got all this money. All of a sudden, the Wizards got pretty interesting. It's like, okay, what the hell's the front office doing? They didn't get any players. Wait, Bill's getting all this money. What is Wall going to think? How is that team going to change? Durant didn't come. Scott Brooks is there. This just fits into everything. I don't know. It, 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 it maddens me that everybody took it hook, line, and sinker. Like, this wasn't, you know, if Wall had come out and said, I'm not, they better pay me what they're giving Bill, or I'm not going to continue to play here if I'm not valued, then you got a story. But he didn't make those kind of declarations. This is just people running with it because everybody is waiting for the other shoe to drop. Everybody is waiting for Wall to come out and say, I better get this money. And everybody is waiting for this team to implode because they didn't get Durant. I'm, let me tell you what scares me. Okay, maybe I should write about this. This is what scares me. Adam McGinnis. Yes. Let's say at, at the beginning of the year, and we all know that this is so Wizards, we'll hear at the first day of training camp that Wall's going to miss the first two months. He, got, he had a setback. Uh, he was trying to get himself back in shape, and and he's going to be out. He'll, his first game will be December 1st. And then when the season starts, be, between then and December 1st, Bradley Beal gets his customary shoulder slash first injury. So now you're looking at a Wizards roster with a Wall who's going to be rushing to get healthy slash in shape, and a Beal who's about to miss two a month or two. That is what scares me because now you have Ubre and Porter and Gortat trying to carry a team. Okay, to me that that's that's a bigger deal than any any of this other stuff. Is what if what usually happens happens again? Like when is the last time? And I and I'll wait for this if you know it. When is the last time a Wizards player was hurt and came back when they said they were going to come back? And not even by two weeks. It's Alan Anderson. Day to day, baby. Day to day. Never came back. Day to day. You know. Oh, and so how, how many embarrassing? Was, do you remember all the embarrassing podcasts that me and you would have talking about? Oh, when we get Alan Harrison back, it's gonna be such a such a jolt for the Wizards. They'll make it for this playoff run. We ta- I talked about it. Right, and, we talked about it all. And weird, all we man. and all we got is new three point dances. We never got actual production on, on the court. Uh, so that that's the scary part to me because there we know, we've been covering the team. We know there are two things. Number one, nobody comes back. Yes from injury when they say they're going to come back and number two bill gets hurt so if yeah. wall doesn't come back when they say and bill gets hurt i mean i don't i don't think you realize how scary that is because then and we don't like draft picks anymore either we forgot that one <laughs> right we don't like draft picks but apparently we don't we don't like to listen to what our star player said he wanted for the team oh yeah he still hasn't done that either by the way and so you have and Mahimni and, and Jason Smith, God bless them. So, so what you're saying is so, that so in early December, when it's a Marcus Thornton and Tomas Sadoransky playing in the second quarter, which of a, of a game that we're wondering what the hell's happening. That's the problem. Because I'll tell you what, Adam, if that happens and Beal and Wall are sitting right next to each other on yes. the bench and suits and being friendly, <laughs> yes. what difference is it going to make? I know. You know? Time for a commercial break. That is right. I have a sponsor, Sneakus, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their website at sneekis.com. Cool hoodies, neat t-shirts, dope hats. And at checkout, you get 10% off your order when you enter Pixel and Roll. And in the process, you help support this Wizards Independent Media. They have an awesome new 
DC football shirt that I really enjoy, and I'm also going to try to cop this sunset hat. So please help this podcast out and help me out, and I really appreciate all your support. Now back to the show. One of the things that we don't know from a journalism standpoint is what kind of pressure J. Michael was on if... Like, let's say Comcast was really trying to push this Chris Miller article, and they were like, okay, J. Michael, I want you to look at this article and see what you can get out of here, and I want you to write something on it before this thing airs. You know, maybe he had to write something he didn't didn't really want to write. Even as I'm saying it out loud, I don't believe it because I just I have a feel for Mr. Michael, and I think that he gladly jumped on this and wrote a hot take and just presented this to his bosses, and they were like, "Yeah, run with it." So, so you um, oh, well, are you arguing that maybe he has more dirt on Wall and Beal, and then use these bullshit examples because he didn't want to use the full dirt, and so then use the- no, no, no. I'm saying that he was asked to write something based on this, and then. But you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to back out of that. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's not the case. I, I, I think, think you're giving him this, too much. I think you're giving too much credit. I am. I mean, I'm trying not to sit here and shit on people we actually have to work with. Yeah. Because I don't true. dislike him. I just yes. don't like his approach. But yes. Again, I don't. I just think this was the perfect time for this story. Oh. It, was, it was the perfect time. Oh. Oh, and yeah. so I think that that's why it had legs. And even I didn't like listening to the hot takes from like PTI. Because it just it fed into the stereotypes that people have about the Wizards anyway that they're never going to go anywhere and that wall you know he can't shoot and all he does is run fast all over the place and Bill's fragile you know it just fed into all, all those stereotypes. Part of it's true, but it's like that's as you as we've been saying none of those reasons are why the Wizards were forty one and forty one last year. Totally. And the thing is that this is not a good look for John Wall at all. For his brand, for his future shoe contract, for his deals. This is negative press. This is a negative viewpoint. And so when I was mentioning about how his interests and Chris Miller's interests don't align, that's what I was kind of mentioning. And not that you, but you want John Wall to be candid. You know, I'm just giving him props for being candid. But also, it was a mistake in the sense that not knowing, like, hey, you know, saying what's up to Chris Miller because you have a good relationship with him and you like him. He's never really done you wrong. And I don't think Chris Miller really did him wrong in this, per se. But I feel like getting too comfortable and saying something that that can easily be misconstrued, like saying I don't like someone on the court, especially when they have a quote of Bradley Beal basically backing that up, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that this is just not a good look for either of them at all. And then from a PR marketing standpoint, it's not a good look for the Washington Wizards. And then now you have all these people speculating and making these wild assumptions. And we've got around, we've, we've, we haven't focused on the thing of actual basketball, which, which is what pisses me off. Cause I, and I know they got to feel content and they make these wild assumptions. There's no will there, there. And then, then what happens is when Jake Whitaker, when Bulls Forever has the same take, dude, then all of a sudden now we're apologists. Well, I'm a wizard. I'm a ball bill apologist. I'm a team, like, I'm so, me and you are so deep, deep in the team, and that we couldn't, you know, we can't have really reason takes, and, like, we're, we're, we're you know, the house is on fire, and we, we won't admit that, you know, that it, it that there's smoke, or some shit like that. It was, like, always just bad, tw- I mean, I know it's Twitter, it was just all these bad analogies and puns, and, like, that Desmond article had that one cartoon, uh, it was, I didn't know where the hell that cartoon came from, and, and there was all these comments, and people were taking it, and I'm like, no, like, okay, I know, I guess there can't be nuanced. Is it a huge deal? No. Now, me and you have just spent a fucking hour talking about this, and I want to move on, actually. Before we move on, Beal's older brother tweeted this. I don't know how it went through. There's really no likes or retweets. So this was the day that all this broke. The next day. I guess we now live in a world 
His older brother Brandon Beal, who's tra- he's training him out in LA. Actually, cool okay. dude. I really like him. I guess we, cool. I guess we now live in a world people can say whatever, whenever, and have no consequences. Just gonna bite my tongue. Dot dot dot. For now, is he taking a shot at the media? Is this is this a roundabout thing of wall? I don't know, but I don't I don't do well speculating it. tweets like that. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I, right. And I love when people tweet. And say something, and then as they get to the end of the tweet, they say, "But I'm not going to say anything." Back <laughs> on, you know, it's like, "Come on, come on, man!" People can say whatever and whatever and have no consequences. Probably talking about some pundit probably said something and pissed him off, right? On the internet or some radio, because I'm sure the radio, this probably radio sports hosts have been going off on this because there's nothing to talk about. The Olympics are over. I mean, do you want to talk about the Giants Dodgers L.A. West race or the wild card race? You know, you really don't, right? Rashad. Well, actually, you know, thanks to Colin Kaepernick, there's there's some things to talk about. Oh, yeah. Monday will be a great day on uh, American Sports Talk Radio. I don't know. Shoot myself in the head. Listen to that. We're done. Okay. Now, Wall did do a video, another video that he did after that, which was talking about his rehab. It was 5 in the morning. I'm working, bro. On his interrupted, and you know he's got the scraggly beard right now, which uh, you know as a beard aficionado, I don't know, dude. He got to trim that shit up, bro. He's looking a little bit older. I, I couldn't really speak yeah, much. I, I don't know what he's got going. I on. I did notice he got the Richard Campbell beard going on. <laughs> I mean, do you? Maybe he's just like in in rehab mode. He just wants to go all full. I'm not using any trimmers. <laughs> so John Wall hosts an event at a local school at South ECC. I went to it. I covered it. Really cool. It gives backpacks uh, to, to kids at a L- Malcolm X Elementary School, not very far from where the new practice facility is going to be built in Congress Heights in Southeast D.C. This is his third year of doing this. I went there at stations, a lot of sponsors. It was really cool. Now, we got a chance to talk to Wall afterwards. But, of course, in one of these events, you can get Wall for longer, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes. You come to this event. You know, the Wizards people won't cut you off after a couple questions. Oh, yeah, they cut me off after, like, five minutes. They cut them off. And then he goes to local TV and does that for 15 minutes. And I'm like, really? You know how much that annoys me, Rashad? Yeah. Everyone's all doing their job. And I'm like, come on, dude. It's, like, 95 degrees. I'm just asking him about, like, the Olympics. But he did talk about the his quotes, which people have seen. But I have, you know, wrote an article up on Truth About It with a bunch of pictures and videos that you can watch the interview and also read some of his... Quotes were illuminating. He would not commit to a timetable, which then you have now turned into some so wizards that he's going to miss the first two months of the season, which is very cryptic and probably pessim- a little more pessimistic than than my outlook, but also probably true, uh, Rashad. I, not true. We're speculating. He wouldn't confirm to a timetable. He did tell me that he's running and jumping, so that's good. He's trying to get stronger on his... On his he hadn't jumped off... He hasn't dunked off his left leg forever, so... It seemed like that was, you know, in good. That that was kind of a, a cool thing. That was also on the Comcast piece. It was the trainer was talking about how he hasn't been able to dunk off his left leg, which is his. Na- so that's why he always dunks with his left hand because he's been jumping off his right knee, which is like the opposite of what you really do as a as a as a Norton, you know, a dominant right hand player. You would jump off your left to dunk usually. The other thing, the other thing he, he talked about Rashad was he was organizing a team workout this week. With all these players, which was which was funny because this all this news stuff came out, even though they're all in L.A. Uh, everyone but Mahimi and Gortat, because they were in Europe. I asked him about the Olympics. He said, you know, no regrets. He did think about it sometimes, and he just wanted them to win. I asked him about his shoe shoe deal. 
Gabe No, he said he was waiting for the Olympics to get over. He didn't really have any thoughts uh, about that. He's also doing a documentary about his rehab. So he's all in on that. What, what do you see on on this? On, on, on Wall's rehab and, and, and all his comments? Them downplaying the, the cool-ass event that Wall did. You know, he won the NBA Cares Award given to people that, that be active in the community. It's a really cool event. He does these things because he actually gives a shit about people. And he's a good dude. Uh, just maybe two parts about his injury and then just what you have seen as Wall, uh, you know, giving back to the community the way he does. Look, I don't, I don't have a problem with Wall. I think he's, he's great. He's a great guy and he has a great heart. And I think that that's one of those things that's come through since he's been in the league. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he won that award. He's, he's genuine about, about, um, and he's passionate about helping people out. I don't touch that part of John Wall because I, I've seen it. That's, that's who he is. But, you know, I'm, the injury part is, is, is a little, little scary. Because we've seen him come back from injuries before, and I mean, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but injuries in the Wizards, it's, it's just weird. It always has been. Didn't they fire a member of their training staff this yeah. summer? Yes, they did. Yeah, right. So Eric Waters, the trainer, got fired. And with Wall in particular, one of the last times he had to come back from injury, being in shape was a huge issue. Like, he was not in shape. I think there was a there were jokes about he had a little gut. I mean, he just was not in shape, and that is what concerns me, because... It, and I don't want to be negative here, but you can, you and I can easily see, you hear the magical word minutes restriction. You know, when he comes back, he has to play his way into shape. It's a big deal. Saying all the right things, and you know, God bless the the comeback. What is it? A rehab video? But yes, the documentary. Documentary. The, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know that that's that's nice, but I want it to end before the regular season starts. Like I want the documentary to be over by then. Yes. But I, what, what I do not want is for it to extend into the regular season because you cannot, if you're a Wizards fan, you cannot have the season after you don't get Kevin Durant and you miss the playoffs. And you miss the playoffs because Wall and Beal are hurt. There's going to be no more depressing narrative than that. Then Wall was slow coming back from injury and before he could come back, Beal was hurt. And then it all sets the stage for the month of March when the Wizards are like 30 games out. And they have an amazing, mar- you know, month of March, but it doesn't matter because they fall, fall short. You want them to be hitting on all cylinders, everybody to be healthy, Scott Brooks to be coaching, so you can see exactly what you have, so that going into this next summer of free agency, you can actually do something. I don't give a damn about what Wall says, about his perception. Yeah. All I care about is on media day, I want you to tell me I'll be back in a couple of weeks. What I don't want to hear is you moping around and you saying, you know, I don't know, we had a setback. Yeah. So that that's that's. I mean, nobody asked me. Nobody's interviewing me or doing any documentary on what the fuck I think. But that's <laughs> that's all that matters. Not your personal relationships. Not your shoe deals. Not your your Ross beard. All that matters <laughs> is that you are healthy and you are ready to go. And that that leadership that you talked about that you and Bill needed to have from the first day of training camp, you could actually do because you're actually in the court. And you're not ball and you're watching. And, wa- and, and you're in shape. You're not ball watching on defense. You, you, right. you're, you're hounding the guards. You're creating. You're creating looks, especially in the half court. You're being more aggressive. You're not just standing in the corner at times. Now, now you're doing all the shit that you did this past season. Yeah, right, right. And, the, and here's the other thing too: to go into the pessimism, and now we've probably lost everyone on this podcast, and they, they want like, why do I like this damn team? Going back to the VMA. Yeah, yeah, they're like, I'm out, I'm out. Gosh, why do I like this damn team? Why, why am I download this this podcast about an NBA team? I, I picked the Wizards out of all the ones in the country to root for. This is the one I, I willingly pick. Yes, I know. But what I was going back to: new system, new coach. 
How many new players? I mean, there is going to be a learning curve. Even if John Wall was straight up healthy here. I mean, obviously, I know he can do it because, you know, he, he's got the talent. This isn't something that, like, it's such an uphill battle. But there's a lot of stuff going, a lot of moving parts going on with this team. But this is all training camp. We're going to have to need need those things. And now you're trying to do this on the fly when you're, what, having some, like, walkthroughs a couple times a week, right? Like, how much practice time you don't really get in the NBA season? Like, it's going to be a tough adjustment. And and now I feel like I'm already saying the Ernie Grenfeld uh, line (laughs) or Ted Beyonce's blog post for, like, December when they're five games under 500, right? (laughs) Yeah. When he said we have to be patient, you know, we have to... Like, I, I just I just wrote up the talking points for them. Hey, so anyone for the Wizards that are listening, especially the PR staff, which I know you don't, there you go. I gave you, I gave you your talking points right there. Actually, I do I do like those guys. Those are, those are nice dudes. Here's the thing. Go back to the Olympics. So I know I asked that to John. I did see a sense of in his face when I asked him that question. Like he was kind of bummed, but he didn't want to lead off because he wanted to support the team and USA. It, it was uh, the day before the USA team had played, so it was a Saturday in the gold medal game was on that Sunday, so he you know, just emphasized that he wanted to win in the country. and Because and the other point I was making is, like, you know, you've been in the program. So him and Bill, Wall and Bill have been in this program. He felt like the fix was in the last couple of years, you know, especially with the relationship of Kyrie and Coach K. But then Kyrie played really well in the World Championships. Wall didn't make that team. And then Bill was one of the last cuts, I believe. Now, this year, Wall, I'm pretty sure, would have been picked over Lowry because of his being in the, the thing before. TV2D come on and obviously win the gold, but I was so frustrated watching them in the pool play. Felt like they needed someone to play defense. They needed someone to pass the ball because Kyrie sure wasn't doing either of those things. They needed a playmaker, and luckily, you know, Durant can kind of play that role. And, you know, he, he had... He finally took his head, he, he, he finally took his, he head got, his ass, right? He sucked at the beginning, I thought, or was pa- way too passive. Right, but then he got his shit together. But I, I think that that I, I just I don't. It's easy to think that because Kyrie has such a great NBA Finals and a great playoffs period that he naturally has to be the starting guard. But Kyrie Irving is not good for international play all the time. He's not no. a playmaker, and that particular team. Well, he's a he's a shot maker a for himself, right? But not playmaker for him. Right. He doesn't make other people better. But if you need a bucket, I, Kyrie's maybe the best right. option, he, right? He's the best option as a two guard. Yeah, you know, if he could play off the ball, but. I think Wall or a point guard like Wall would have been perfect. You need somebody who is who knows how to push the ball, who knows how to get the ball to people in their spots, and north to south, not east and west. And more importantly, you need somebody who knows how to defend and be disruptive on the defensive end of the ball. And that's not Kyrie. And Lowry was able to do that a little bit, but what he was able to do on defense was nullified because on offense he just wasn't getting them in into any kind of set. So I think that is the case perhaps for the next olympics or the next cycle of usa basketball they'll be looking for playmaking point guards then again if curry was healthy curry would have been that yeah you know if, so you know that's the Russell, other thing Russell to Westbrook too i mean if, if he plays again wall would be proud by now right right so i mean that's the other thing to think about part of this is they had to send the the best roster they could because some people were injured and some people didn't want that zika so i yes. mean that's that, that's the reality, and I don't know if all things being considered, if everything, everybody's in fair, everybody's fair game the next go round. Wall is going to be behind Westbrook. He's going to be behind Curry, and then you can throw in Lillard. I mean, it just becomes yes, it just you know the kind of thing where that this year may have been Wall's best chance to go because and he, I mean he wasn't healthy, but after this, it's just there's just so many point guards, and it, it becomes a issue of how many point guards does Popovich want to carry the next go round. So I don't know that Wall, short of 
a dazzling playoff run where he just it's just he, you know he can't be denied i don't know how wall ever gets on there well it's uh, also hard it's like i can't even predict with this team where john wall is going to be like in in december let alone four years from now right 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 <laughs> that's the other, the other difficulty i mean one thing maybe in his favor popovich doesn't have this Kyrie relationship that coach k does and then also i know popovich wants a more of a point point guard and wants someone to play defense where Lillard doesn't, Kyrie obviously doesn't. Chris Paul at that point, four years later, if he does play, is going to be more of the, the Jason Kidd type like he was in 2008. Like the veteran guy, but not really the guy that's going to guard that. But then again, Wall's going to get up there in age as well. And so you know, maybe there's another guy we don't even know about right now that could be right. this defensive point guard. Now, my question to you is Bradley Beal. Did he make a mistake? No. By not going, because did, okay. do you no. think Harrison Barnes regrets? Harrison Barnes got on this team. He didn't really play much, but yeah, he got the gold medal. Had a great experience. Played with all those guys. Why do you say Bradley Beal is not regret no. not going? Because Bradley Beal needed to do exactly what he said he was. He, he did this summer in the Chris Miller interview. He needed to get stronger. He needed to make sure that he was completely healthy going into this important basketball season. Because if Bradley Beal had gone out and gotten a gold medal, but had gotten injured or had just put an unnecessary strain on his body before the season, and then something happened. Everybody, I don't care how patriotic Wizards fans are, they've been pissed that he won a gold medal and can't help the Wizards. So I think he did the right thing. I think that he knows that this is an important season, and I think he knows that his sidekick is yes, coming off yes, injury. Yes. And I think that he, he did the right thing. He needs to be ready. He needs to be healthy. He needs to be in the best shape of his life at the beginning of the season because – he, the other half of his backcourt may not be ready. So, plus, Bill could not have fulfilled a need on that team. They didn't need his skill set. So, I think he did the right thing, and he's fine. They could use another shooter. I don't think it really mattered, honestly. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would have mattered. I think he did the right thing. And now, mind you, we don't know whether he really felt that way. Or he just didn't want to come out and say, "I don't want that secret." You know, yeah, I don't. Nobody true. really knows. But I think he did the right thing by staying and, and getting healthy, healthier. Uh-huh. I think that there's also an element of the Wizards. They will not publicly come out and say they don't want to play, but they just gave this guy 127 million dollars, and he's only, you know, only played in what did I say 55 games last year. So they got burned by Nene in 2012, and so, but the Onsis has never. He's been on the, on the record now. I've talked about this before on the podcast about promoting and not being against that. The way like you know how outspoken Mark Cuban has been. But I think that maybe behind the scenes, I get a sense and a feeling that they were totally okay with him not playing. I mean, I don't think they forced it and made it publicly, but I think it was more of a, hey, we're going to give you this big contract and get you working. Like, you know, hey, how about we don't... How about, they're not going to tell him specifically not to do it, but it, it's more of a, oh, yeah, this is what we want. <laughs> right. You do not play. You know, obviously some of that is a speculation, but that's just kind of the sense I got. Now, do you feel that his chance is gone now? Did, would he have a chance next time? Or is his window just completely closed? I mean, he's still Beal, I mean, no, Beal. I mean, he still would only be 27, and if he plays well, I mean... I, I don't I don't know. I, I just think that the, the Wizards players are always going to be on the outside looking in. It just depends on what they do. Like, for example, let's say this upcoming year... They had one of those years where they pushed past, where they, you know, they, they get to the conference finals and all of a sudden their declaration that they're one of the best courts, backcourts in the NBA actually holds credence. Like they're playing like that. Then they're in a the discussion. 
by advancing in the playoffs and by playing well together, you're making the case that you're two of the top 10, 20 players in the NBA, then, yes, they have a chance. Mm -hmm. But right now, their stock is falling, and while their stock is falling, so many other, like just the Portland backcourt is playing well, and there's just so many other young players that are coming up that I I think they're going to have a difficulty. But as, you know, Wall was very smart in saying, if they take care of business and they advance and they play well together, they have a chance. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but I don't. I would never say no. But right now, if you were picking a team, they they wouldn't be close. I think that this was probably their best chance to make it. But like I said, it's four years from now, and who knows if they'll make the world championship team in two years? It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Obviously, we need good health for that. Before we go, it's been too long. I, let's talk about the real team. Let's talk about the actual Washington Wizards basketball. I, I know there's other players on the team between Ball and Bill. Can you imagine? I was thinking about a list, a preseason list of things that I think are actually important where we're spending so much oxygen and time, and I'm just as guilty. We're both guilty. I just did, we just did over an hour on this stupid-ass issue that a month from now, two months from now, won't really matter unless they do poorly, and then it'll be used as a reason they're doing poorly. What you have mentioned, correct? That's the narrative that will be spun. So let's go, to the, let's go to the real issues. Are the real things I see for the sexual team, you know, aside from the health of Wall and Beal, Mr. Otto Porter, I feel is maybe the number one key. What is your sense? I, I would agree with you. I, I think that Otto Porter is one key, and I think the confidence of Trey Burke is another key. This is a guy who went from starting on Utah Jazz and being considered up and coming to now he's just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. I mean, I, I used to love seeing him play. I think that he, he's able to establish himself as a legitimate backup point guard. I think that's that's huge. That's that's that's, a, that's like a draft pick for the Wizards. But to your point, Otto Porter is the number one after Wall and Beal. He's the number one concern because well, he's a lot right in the season two. I mean, contractually. Right, and you know if you can't like this is the year you have to step up. Like this, this is the year with the possibility of Wall or Beal not being around or healthy or just pick one. This is the year where Porter has to come through. He has to justify us feeling like yeah, we don't need a reason, and yeah, we can get rid of Pierce. You actually have to justify that this year. Honestly, I don't think he's going to do it. I think if he would have done it, he would have done it last year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he has it in him to emerge as, as that player, and I think that's going to be a problem. I think Ubre is going to take a jump, but again, I got to tell you, Adam, I, I look at this roster and I just I don't I don't like it. And this is the first <laughs> time I felt like this about a Wizards team in a long time. I just don't see. And it's not so much the roster in isolation. If you look at the Eastern Conference, like, do you really feel comfortable? You look at what Indiana did. You look at what Detroit is bringing back. You look at Boston. All those teams got demonstrably better, you know, mm-hmm. or they have enough coming back from last year where they didn't have to do a whole lot of Milwaukee, shit. Milwaukee, already better Milwaukee, than the Wizards. Milwaukee should be better. Right. I mean, Milwaukee has uh, Jabari Parker coming back. I mean, it's just... You know, Frank, I look at this with Frank this Vogel. I, I don't like I don't like what Orlando really did moves wise, but Frank Vogel, you know, me and you are both high on him as a coach. Oh yeah, but Orlando, they're they're going they're yeah. going in another direction. Like they're not even in the mix. But yeah. there are so many other teams that are better than the, the Knicks. Knicks. I mean, literally, what what do we know make to make up the Knicks? I mean, because you got to think of what the teams are gonna that the Wizards like didn't make the playoffs, and then who is gonna who made it last year is gonna fall out, right? Well, the Knicks. Are gonna, well, so much with them is based on health, but if things go the way I, I assume they're going to go, the Wizards are literally going to be fighting for the 7th eighth spot again, mm-hmm. and they're going to be hovering around 500 again because nobody on this roster scares you or even makes you shake. I mean, Markeith may have a breakout year. I, just, I don't like this roster, and I maybe there'll be something done. Maybe there'll be some trades, but right now, this roster, as it's currently constructed, I don't care who is the coach. 
I don't feel confident that they they didn't go into this offseason thinking, what are our weak spots? They went into this offseason thinking, we're going to get one person, and they didn't get him, and then they scrambled. And that's what this looks like. I mean, Mahimi, I've watched him play many years. He's not, he, I'm not going to call him a scrub because he's in the NBA, but he's limited. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew Nicholson, again, he's limited. Jason Smith, maybe a couple years ago, this would have been a good pickup. I still, was, I, I, was, I, still, I still don't get that signing at all. Right. If this if this roster were more loaded, if this were the roster of two years ago with the Reza or Pierce, and it was a little deeper, and you threw a Jason Smith on there, I would feel comfortable. But I, I don't feel comfortable with this roster. And again, I could be wrong. They could shock some people, but I, I do not feel good going into this season. Now, Wall and Bill, if healthy and hitting on all cylinders, can do a lot to make me feel better. But right now, no. And I will try not to let my people who read truth about it, I won't let that come out in everything that I write. I will try to be as optimistic as I can. But, I mean, yeah, look, I, just reading David Aldridge's articles and him talking to other people about what the Wizards did and the general consensus is, what the hell? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. That's not comforting. Swung a miss at Horford and then didn't even get up to bat with Durant. And it limited them the last three years and cleared all this stuff up and raised expectations and... Then now, after all that, the plan is to, you know, even though Ted Leonson says the plan is to win a championship, which is complete bullshit, because everyone knows that Ernie Grunfeld is not going to deliver your championship. Everyone knew that Randy Whitman is not going to deliver your championship. So, him going on the record and writing a blog post and saying that that's their goal, that's not who you hire to go win a championship. And fans don't believe it. Executives don't believe that. Coaches don't believe that. Players don't believe it. Nobody except him would ever actually believe that. And I don't even know if he really believes it, honestly. Because to me, it's probably just their interest is to make money for the monumental board more than it is to win a championship. Now, can you make money and win a championship too? Yes. But at the end of the day, we know there's a capitalistic organization and that their goal is to do that. If it was, you would you would you would not hire them. You would go into the, you would pay the luxury tax, right? You would you would go over the salary cap. You would do whatever it takes. To, to win a championship. So don't get me started on winning a championship with Ted Leonsis. But going back to the team, on the reason I think that Otto Porter is going to be very instrumental and key to the season is, like you said, we missed out on the big free agencies. We're not going to have the All-Star come. The, the way that they're going to get better, you know, win 45, 50 games in the season is going to have to be Otto Porter or Kelly Oubre and Markeith Morris. But especially Otto Porter because he's either going to get the Harrison Barnes contract or the Evan Turner contract, or the Ken Bazemore contract, right? Or he's not. I mean, he's going to end up just getting one-year, two-year deals and, until he's out of the league, right? In mean, four or five more years. Or he's going to become that next guy. Can he do it on a consistent basis? Can he Can he be that guy he was in the playoffs? Can, can he be in those stretches where he's active and in the passing lanes and getting out on the break and making those cuts and Wall's hitting them and he's hitting the corner three and he's aggressive in those, in those people's faces? Or does it go where he does that and then all of a sudden – you were in the third, it's the middle of the third quarter, and you're like, is Otto Porter playing tonight? You're like, oh, yeah, he is. He's one for five for two points. <laughs> but he has to do that. I mean, he has to, he's, the, he's the number three pick in the draft. I know. Like, the fact that we're even having this discussion for the number three pick in the draft, we're still having these questions, is very problematic in and of itself. And that is why I, don't, I have my doubts. Like, mm-hmm. last year was the season for that breakout. That's what everyone was counting on. And it, it didn't, it, and he was, he was banged up all year. I'll give him that. He was banged up. But we, we never saw it. And this season, more than any other season, he has to be able to do it. I don't think he has Well, Wilson, well, the summer league interview that... He, go, he covered all these guys, uh, Carmelo and LeBron, and, and who there was a couple other players he mentioned at the beginning of the season, and then they balled out on him, and it wore him down, and he he told John that he was worn out mentally. <laughs> I was like, like, 20 games in. 
So that's that's yeah. a good sign. So the, he said he took him for a while to get out of that. Now he has been working out with, with Oladipo. I see him on Instagram. He's out in California. Looks like he's a little bigger. This is a fifty million dollar season for him, man. I mean, he's sixty million maybe. I mean, if he balls out and plays well, he's looking at a big contract. If he doesn't, like I mentioned. The Wizards will probably will pick up his option, and you'll probably get a, a deal here and there for like a year or two. And plus, he also plays a position where he's now more coveted. Me and Jake Whitaker talked about this in the last podcast, where you know the three D wing guys now are the old kind of big guys. They're, they're overpaying for them, and and that he fits the bill. But why not? He can be on a consistent basis. You know, you're more bullish on Ubre. I'm not. I'm tepid. I, I still, he's still young. He's still raw. I'm not going to criticize him. I didn't really see much out of summer league that I didn't see already out of him last year. I am still confident. I still think he has a role in defense, and I feel like this Scott Brooks staff will get the best out of him. Whereas we've seen where what Randy Whitman would do to young people. I mean, we know we saw how that that works. We can go list and list of guys that he destroyed. Where I have more faith in Scott Brooks to get maybe the characteristics out of Ubre. And maybe reward him with positive reinforcement, whereas compared to to Whitman's negative reinforcement. Well, I'm I'm bullish on Ubre because when he played consistently, there was like a two three week span when he knew that he was going to get a certain amount of playing time, and he knew that he was a part of the game plan. He rose to the challenge. He wasn't great on offense, and he still had occasional blown assignments on defense. But there was a willingness of for him to want to play D and I think that very early on Scott Brooks told him that right now your calling card will be running and playing defense and I think that he, he embraced that I mean you know summer league play is ragged then once the season starts and he's on the court with, with the big dog with his wall bill or porter or whatever I think if he knows every night he's going to play a certain period of time and that he's counted on he'll step up to the challenge and he'll only get more confidence I think the problem is last year as every player said during the exit interview it wasn't the fact that he didn't progress or he didn't grow as a player is that he just didn't play mm-hmm. All, you know, he went from getting consistent minutes part of it was due to injury but getting consistent minutes as a rookie to just being buried on the bench and not playing at all and then when you do start playing again it's like you're cramming for a test you're trying to get you're trying to get back to where you were and you're rushing and you're you know you feel like if i make one mistake, i'm going to be jerked out of the game which he was i'll go back to having consistent minutes not in summer league but on the nba level will help him and i think it'll be a big contributor i mean he's not going to average 30 points a game but i can just see him making those little swing plays or the 50 50 plays where he gets a steal or he gets a block or he gets in passing lanes and gets out and runs and, and gets a dog or an alley-oop yep right those things that swing the momentum and get the crowd hyped up and make the other team call timeout and there aren't a lot of those players on this current Wizards roster and he, and he can be one of them I do expect to see progress but how much of a difference makes sure he's going to be on this team I see he's more of a ro- late rotation guy shows some development from year two but it, when it comes to whether or not this team is going to make the playoffs I don't know if he's the biggest no, game for me he's not that kind of a player that's that's Otto Porter yeah Otto Porter averages like 15 to 20 points this year and D's up the best player of the other team, right? Right. Then all of a sudden you have you have a legitimate third score and a legitimate threat, and it, it just it, it makes it opens up the floor for Gortat. It opens up the floor. For, I mean, it just changes the complexion of everything. If Porter is now somebody that has to be game planned for, you know, you you can't cheat in the lane when Wall is driving because you have to be concerned. Is he going to go to Bill? Is he going to go to Porter or Gortat? That changes the whole complexion of who the Wizards are. Um, but if he's passive and if he does the things that he did last season, and it's like you never know whether he can be counted on or whether he even has the confidence, then he's a liability. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more optimistic than you on Porter, but I definitely see and understand your points that you've made. Now, how about the let's talk about the 2016 uh, uh, first round pick of the Washington Wizards, known as Markeith Morris. 
He, <laughs> everyone reminded me all the time this year when I bitched about no back draft picks that he was actually draft pick. Troy uh, Halliburton is a big fan of the trade. I know I don't want to relitigate the trade. It doesn't really matter at this point. But there's two years of Markeith Morris at a decent price, $8 million a year. He played okay, I thought, at the end of the season. I think he's huge. We have not really mentioned him much in the offseason. What is your take on Markeith? I think that him being the four and being the stretch four-ish, even though he doesn't shoot that much threes, is really important. But I think for the rebounding, for defense, he has a little attitude. And maybe... He can go back to where he played before he ran into all those problems he did in Phoenix. Oh, I, I think he's going to have a big year. I, I think he, there's sometimes kind of a black hole offensively when he got the ball. But I, I, I think in this system, he's, he's going to, like, I don't worry about him. I think he's going to be fine. He's a competitor. He has a little bit of a mean streak. If that doomsday scenario that I spelled out with Wall and Bill actually plays out, Marquise will gladly take the role as the alpha dog, as the sidekick, if you will, on this team. <laughs> and so I, I, I see a big season from him, and I, and I don't I don't worry about him at all. Because I, he's, he's a competitor. I don't worry about him carrying over the momentum from the previous season like I do in our Porter. One last question before we go. Maybe the wild card in all this I was thinking is what we had talked about when this whole Wall and Beal story mentioned. We made some pithy comment like, good luck, Scott Brooks. <laughs> like, this is up to you, dude. Like, this is your job. That's why, that's why you're getting the big bucks. You know, even though we, we think this is overblown, this is more creation and going from what you said, like coaching them up from the media standpoint, talking to getting them, sitting them down one to one, being like, are we cool here, fellas? Like, whatever Scott Brooks has got to do with his staff behind the scenes, you know that they're doing this, this is happening, the text messages, maybe he's flying to talk to them. You know, I'm speculating here, but this is ultimately Scott Brooks. As much as I can rip on Ernie Grenfeld and Ted Leonsis and criticize from them, this is now Scott Brooks' team, this is now his organization, this is his on-the-court product is now up to Scott Brooks. What do you see with him? Yeah, he, we haven't really talked much about him. You know, we talked about the interview process and missing Kevin Durant. and But we haven't really just talked about what do you think Scott Brooks wants to do with his team? What is the system he wants to run? What do you think, you know, we talked about his staff and, you know, we, we me and you went down his staff and who knows these things about Westbrook and Durant and, you know, did play, we talked about player development, how Scott Brooks would be good with player development. But how about just from an X and O's analysis say, like, what does Scott Brooks want to do with the team? Because this is basically all him now. I'm I'm very curious to see how Wall and Bill respond to him because I don't I don't know. Like I I have no problems admitting I wasn't impressed with the hire of Scott Brooks as a coach because I never saw anything when he was with Oklahoma City that made me think, okay, this guy is legit. I, mean, I just saw every time I looked at Durant and Westbrook in that team, I just saw an underachieving team. Like, there's no way that the right basketball mind cannot maximize all this talent. And so I never had much of an opinion of Scott Brooks. Now, based on, again, I referenced that Chris Miller piece that you've now seen, he's stressing defense, you know, mm-hmm. um, being great, great on defense. You know, that's what he's stressing. But it seems like everybody stresses that. But more important to me is how do you make the Wizards' offense a fluid one? How do you maximize everyone's talent that it's not stagnant and we're not at the end of the shot clock and we're looking for wall Take off balance Right. So it'll be preseason, and the way the Wizards play in the preseason will be very telling to see not just what his philosophy is X and O's wise, but how are the players responding to him? Because there always seemed to be a disconnect when we watched Randy Whitman. It it didn't seem like they really responded to him too well. I'm I'm curious to see what that dynamic is. What is the atmosphere with the players with Scott Brooks? And honestly, I don't. I I just can't speculate because I don't know. In preseason, is usually when we see that see what kind of offense they're running to see how they're defending and to see how fluid things are. I, I really would like to see that, but again, none of that matters if Brooks can't have all his toys at his <laughs> yes, right. you know, if he, So if he's just kind of doing makeshift things or 
if, if he's running a professional offense because he can't really unveil at all because he doesn't have all his personnel, we're not really going to know. That's true. It would be interesting to see how all staff hires – you know, how do they work with the, with the team? Rashad, thanks. that's it, dude. Uh, we have Beatamega Parkway, House of Guards, maybe just Sidekicks? Is that the new nickname for these guys? Every way from me to make Side, Sidekicks, So now you can just pick who's the real sidekick? I, I kind of like that one. I, mean, I found my hashtag and name of this podcast as well, Sidekicks. Uh, or maybe it could be steak sauce. A one. Or no, yeah, it's gonna be A one sidekicks or alpha alpha sidekicks. Oh no, alpha alpha. I've, we have a lot to do with. I need to get Kyle or Connor uh, on this on the photoshops. And congratulations to Connor Dirks. I don't know if you heard the news. He's engaged. Uh, truth about it. I, I yeah. did not know that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Connor's probably not listening. He's in France. I made a comment if he was going to see Kevin Serafin. Hopefully he, he was. He had a very, you know, it was an Isaac Hayes type of picture that you had on uh, on South Beach on Facebook. But it was something similar where it was just the ocean in the background and a side look. And I was hating both of you. So uh, it's not as, not as scenic here in Mount Pleasant this weekend. But that was Shad. That's the best, dude. It's been a long time. Thanks for uh, jamming on with me. And I won't bother you for a little bit. Until some other crazy news breaks down, and me and you want to vent for an hour. I'm sure something. I was about to say, don't think too soon. You never know what kind of hot takes can reveal themselves to us this week. I know. Hey, I'm not going to talk about this article for a half hour, and then and then I went and talked about it for a half hour. Right. All right. Well, hey, thank you everyone for joining us. Trying to get Kyle on the podcast again. He has been hard to get down, but I did hang out with him the other night. But he was supposedly maybe going to join us today. He did not. But go check out our piece. Go check out our hot takes on the internet, the internet machine. And as always, go Wizards. Peace out. And where down we go?